Support for Pivot comes from BetterHelp. How do you know when your social battery is running on empty? Maybe you get a little snippy with your friends or perhaps Scott Galloway. Or maybe you just fantasize about canceling plans, creating one excuse after. You're fantasizing about me? No, 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 never. You're fantasizing about me. Again? Again? Not once. Not once. I get it. I get it. I get it. I'm sorry. Go ahead. All right. Get off my ad right now. All right. Canceling plans, creating one excuse after another, why you have to stay in. I do that to Scott all the time. It's not easy to keep track of how much socializing is right for you. Therapy can help you build more awareness of what you need and when. BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy with licensed professionals. Scheduling is convenient and finding a therapist suited to your style is quick and easy. And we all know Scott Galloway needs therapy. Find your social sweet spot with BetterHelp. You can visit betterhelp.com slash pivot today. Get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash pivot. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from New York Magazine and the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher. And I'm Scott Galloway. Um, Listen, you keep sending me your location information. I want to know what that's about. I don't mean to do that. I don't know what's going on there. You are on the Atlantic coast of Florida. Thank you for that information. I mean, I usually, when I drop a pen, it's usually got something to do with male prostitutes or crystal meth being dropped off. That's what I figured. Yeah. So I'm curious why you keep I saw that. I like, I saw why she's sending me a map. Yeah, you've done I said, why is she time. sending me a map? And I'm like, yeah. no, I just sent her a map of yeah, where I live. Yeah, yeah. I'm definitely easing into By that way, old I'll man. I'll sell that like, to the highest bidder. Doesn't get it. I'll sell that to the highest bidder. Oh, yeah, bidder. what a thrill. <laughs> what a thrill. Anyway. Come roll with the dog. It's like I, I can see you like misdoing your iPhone and then, oh, I said like, like, oh, I sent this by accident. What, am I talking into this? Oh, it's very Kara. You well, have no idea. <laughs> yeah, but it's not at night. It's not late at night. It's like in the morning. It's not like no. A, it's there's no excuse. I'm not even it, drunk. It's really funny. Is, anyway, Scott yeah. is on the Atlantic coast, and anyone wants to know. Go ahead. Uh, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I have a board meeting today for my company, and, yeah. and all of them got wonderful pictures of my dog and children bathing. <laughs> Because I, I didn't realize, I thought I was sending out the deck. And I'm yeah. like, oh, there's a PDF. That, that feels like a picture. So they, they're, and they all are so nice. They're like, this is really cute. Oh, how old is the young one now? And I'm like, sorry, didn't oh. mean to send these. Oh, wow. They all try That's to professional. Be like, That's professional. Anyways. So today we're going to talk about the FTC's case against Meta, which is back. Uh, we'll take a look at the biggest video game deal in history, and we'll take a listener question about the future of retail. All such interesting things. But first of all, Magic Leap is pivoting into healthcare. Um, the company had previously set out to make a consumer AR headset, um, and its next product will target applications for surgeons instead, which is interesting. It's a big area. Uh, meanwhile, analysts are excited about Apple's VR and AR gear, even though the company hasn't announced any. But as you and I have talked about, um, it's probably going to be nifty. Um, so talk about, uh, you know, Magic Leap was sort of, the, it's a Florida company, so I want you to take the lead mm-hmm. here. With, you know, it was it was lots of big investors and Google was in there, like everybody was in Magic Leap. Huge amounts of money. It's now being run by a very uh, terrific executive named Peggy Johnson, who, was a, who I know from Microsoft. She was 
doing their acquisitions and strategy there. Um, really smart person. So what do, what do you think about this? Is it just they're like, look, this is too hard to do from an entertainment perspective or what? Well, first off, it's a real knock on Florida. We only, I mean, until recently, we only had two unicorns. Mm -hmm. Chewy, which is a really inspiring yep. company in Miami, focused on pets. They kind of came in and, you know, proved that you could compete against Amazon, uh, great merchandising, great operations. Yep. And then Magic Leap was sort of the first. And Magic Leap, there's just no get, getting around it. Magic Leap has been an enormous disappointment today. Yeah. And it was supposed to be kind of the the kind of original, you know, the OG in VR. Yeah. And the Very person who founded founder, it. founder, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, reportedly, you know, supposed to be a genius, one of these. And, any, and anyone who spoke to this person wanted to invest, and they did. But I think the pivot here is uh, necessary and smart. And that is, if you think about VR, the costs, A, the economic costs are large, and B, the non-economic costs, specifically uh -huh. putting something like this on your head, are also really high. And uh, the notion that they would go after B2B markets where the utility of performing a surgery in India with somebody who doesn't have access to a world-class you know, cardiothoracic transplant surgeon, and mm -hmm. maybe you can simulate it with robot combination of robotics and VR. I just think I've always said, and the lesson here is the following, or what I would tell young people, is that, uh, and I'm trying to reverse engineer this to, to career decisions around their human capital. I've always said have a bias towards B2B versus B2C. Mm -hmm. Because B2C is more interesting, more romantic. It's more fun to talk about Netflix. Yeah, it's more, more fun to talk about Vans. It's more fun to talk about a headset for consumers and gaming. So it's overinvested. Take your company and sell it into large enterprise and small and medium-sized business. Because if you can show some utility there, they're much less price sensitive. It's not mm -hmm. nearly as overinvested. Every company I've started has been a B2B company. Yes, and every, except for one, B2C, which was Red Envelope, and that was my fucking Vietnam. I can't get over how demanding consumers are and how price sensitive they are. If you walk into Walmart and say, I can help you figure out your digital innovation or I have data that can help you, they will pay real money and they're nice to deal with. Consumers, oh my gosh, are they difficult. Right. So I, I like this. I think it's a smart pivot. Do you have any thoughts? Yeah. You, I, you, I, you know I have a lot CEO. of regard for Peggy Johnson and I'd love to hear her talk about it. Maybe she will at some event soon. Um, but uh, I think it's, you know, I think they, they have a lot of weight on them given all the investments. People, it's been the, sort of the longest running next big thing for a long time. You know, it had a lot mm -hmm. of mystery around it, a lot of problem. The, the founder had done some really crazy interviews, as I recall. I don't even remember them, but I remember they were crazy. Um, and so, you know, I think it's, an, it, you know, it was interesting they located in Florida. Uh, it was interesting, the investors. And so, you know, you got to make something of this. And it's it's an incredibly, they probably have fantastic technology. I, I don't doubt it. Um, but I think there's a lot of people piling in here and they've got to get going. Right. You can't be. There's an expression. The planes are covered with the bodies of pioneers. They don't want to be those pioneers, I guess, you know, in the early days of this stuff. They were definitely early to this and the first people talking about it. And a lot of it was sort of fluffery, but some of it was very significant. So, yes, I think so. I agree with you. It's a nice pivot. We'll see. I'd like to hear more about it. That's what I'd like to do. So here's another story you're going to like. A new lawsuit mm -hmm. claims that the nation's top universities colluded to fix prices and violated federal law. The suit names when 
than a dozen universities, including Yale, Georgetown, where I went, Cornell and Columbia. Uh, I also went there. Uh, lawyers say more than 170,000 former students could join in the suit as plaintiffs. Oh, exciting for me. Currently, it's just uh, five. Scott, w- will you be called as an expert witness? Tell me, what do you think about this? Colluding. I used to do a lot of expert witness work. Um, yeah. Did you? So, yeah, a lot. Did you back pretend in, you were uh, a doctor? Um, Dr. Scott Galloway. It's likely that she was dead for more than 24 hours. Um, So, gonk, gonk. I just kept waiting for that sound after I would say something. I would make these bold declarative statements, but all my expert witness stuff was around I'm going to take down a little highway here. What what were you an expert witness on? Uh, it, it hurts my feelings that you're this shocked. I, well, I am. So I'm like, what, what could they do you possibly think I was? Oh, let me put it back to you. What do you think business? I was an expert witness I don't on? know. Marketing? Marketing. I was an IP and brand strategy expert. Oh. <laughs> I would talk about IP violations for brands. It okay. shocks me that you find this so I humorous and unbelievable. Like, okay. Anyways. I'd like to meet those anyways. lawyers. There's an Alan Dershowitz <laughs> around somewhere wandering around. I was the expert. I was the go-to expert Call witness for Adidas God. for a decade. Anyways. Yeah. Okay. Stop All it. Right. All three right, stripes. Okay. It's, right, right. it's Tell, confusing when you have this four or two stripes. This area is Anyways. so dear, dear to your heart to like bash universities okay, look, where look, you work. Look, well, well for, first off, a group of people colluding to increase prices and soak the middle class. Kara, mm-hmm. I'm shocked. I'm shocked. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, look at what's be. going on here. Um, okay, so in every city, you have a duopoly. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't care if it's Los Angeles or New York or Chicago. Yeah. It's San Francisco. There's two great universities. And then there are a bunch of, you know, what I'll call second-tier universities. Yeah. And what do you know? What do you know? Yeah. They all charge you know? pretty much exactly the same price. Just Let's look two. at New York. Yeah. There's Fordham, mm-hmm. which has about a 50 or 60% admittance rate. A good college, not what you would call a great brand. Yeah. There's NYU, which is for rich kids who can get into a good to great school. And then there's Columbia, sort of the Mercedes. Yeah. And, and admits 6%. Yeah. They all charge somewhere between fifty and $60,000. Now, how does that happen? Uh, that's like saying, what would have happened if there were two auto dealerships and it ended up with, okay, we end up with Hyundais and Mercedes at the same price. Isn't something wrong? And we all raise our prices in exact lockstep. What if there were only two grocery stores? Well, they, they sometimes in, do. Like, they people watch each other's prices, that's for sure, right? That's not a new But there's no competition, and here's the problem. There's no pressure to bring prices down because the only way you can be a working university is if you give your kids access to debt. And uh, debt is based on your ability to issue debt to pay these usurious fees is based on accreditation. And who runs the accreditation institutions? The incumbents. And as a result, over the last 30 years, only 157 new universities have been admitted, meaning that we have exploded education uh, companies, organizations, despite the fact there's massive demand in two out of three jobs now need a college degree, whereas one in three just 20, 30 years ago, we have exploded the market by 0.7% a year such yeah. that we constrain supply. We leverage this rejectionist culture of, that makes us feel good about turning away 80, 90% of our applicants. And what we end up doing is creating un- this, the best business model in the world that lets us increase prices, including colluding with each other around how much financial aid we're going to Collusion is a heavy other. word. Do you think it's colluding or colluding? It's 100%, is, there's, okay. there's never been. They get in a room. 
Yeah. And they share the, – they, 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 they mutually share. agree upon an algorithm for how much financial aid they're going to give, which is price fixing. Yeah. And then the, the case said that was given the, – the universities were actually given an exemption from this collusion and allowed to collude if they, if they were, quote, unquote, uh, not uh, need blind. And that mm-hmm. is they weren't a cartel. They were not uh, letting in people because right. they were rich and less needy. And what do you know? Shocker. They found out a lot of people are getting off the waiting list because they were the sons and daughters of billionaires. This, this higher ed has mm-hmm. been the greatest assault on the prosperity of the middle class of the last 40 years. Mm -hmm. We have soaked the middle class of a trillion and a half dollars. Everybody talks about rampant inflation being bad. It is because if your salary doesn't keep pace with the cost of goods, then your lifestyle, your purchasing power, your prosperity goes down. And the middle class has seen their their wages barely keep pace pace with inflation, but that the one thing that they are told they have failed as a parent unless they buy has skyrocketed in cost. There yeah. has been – It's a real th- sticker you, shock. doesn't matter who, who, how much money you have. It's really like expensive. It's like crazy expensive, crazy expensive. But and the amount of despair – yeah. our, 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 Even the accreditation process, it's mm-hmm. based on curriculum and quality of faculty. We want people like us with PhDs, our buddies from Carnegie Mellon, and we want mm-hmm. this full complement of courses, including things on sustainability and leadership and ethics. Yeah. So if a university said, we got five smart practitioners who are going right. to teach four right. to eight amazing this. classes in cybersecurity, and I can get these kids' jobs at 100 grand right out of school, we, they don't measure outcomes. Yeah. They're not interested in outcomes. Yeah, that's the They're second part. interested in PBS self-aggrandizement and arrogance. There has net this is there are very few outcomes. institutions and organizations that have been this this uh, rapacious and damaging to the middle class. Under all under the auspices of, of this goodness. this fake nobility. All Bring right. it. This okay. is overdue. I like it. I like it. Is it is it your lawsuit? No, I'm kidding. We'll see if you get well, called in. You could get called in. I bet you could. Be. But here's the problem. No. This lawsuit this lawsuit actually doesn't address the problem because here's the other dirty little yeah. secret. These universities, yeah. it's actually cheaper than most universities because they have mm-hmm. so much money mm-hmm. that they give out financial aid and the net costs, the net tuition at Princeton has actually gone down mm-hmm. because they have so much goddamn money. So Thank what you. happens? Increased income inequality. Princeton isn't one of the universities in the lawsuit, but it's um, a similarly elite school. So by way of example, you get into Princeton, you're set. You get an amazing degree at a lower cost. You get arbitrage down because you haven't built wells in Africa or don't have a patent by the time you're 17, or your dad isn't Ray Dalio, mm-hmm. and you end up at a mediocre car paying a Mercedes price for a Hyundai. I... Uh, this... This is really, yeah. uh, I, I think there are a few things that represent a greater threat to America that we're not talking about than, than this rejectionist luxury positioning. Well, and everybody wants free college. It's so interesting. Oddly enough, I was reading Marianne Williamson's tweets today. I like Marianne. And she was like, everybody in America wants free college, some gun control, this and this and this. And when we do none of this, like everybody, when you say free college to people, everybody wants it. Uh, it's a really interesting uh, topic. And I agree. Speaking of which, you know, I'm speaking at Princeton this weekend. I am. I'm going up to Good Princeton. For you. I grew up there. That's nice. I grew up in Princeton. I didn't get in, but I am speaking there. So nonetheless. Can I, can I just go on for another okay. moment here? Yes, please. Okay. So my class, we shifted to all online to the pandemic. Yes. 280 kids, yep. right? Yeah. What do they each pay? They each pay $7,000. Mm-hmm. So in order to take brand strategy with Scott Galloway for mm-hmm. two hours and 40 minutes, 12 times, we charged them $1.96 million. Young people, $1.96 million. Can you even think... 
of another product that an organization charges $2 million for and gets 98 points of gross margin? Yeah. Can you even think of a product? I, I have one. What? And that Drugs. is Zolgensma, which is this life-saving gene therapy that oh, costs okay. $2 million for two doses. So yeah. either save your life and not die of a terrible genetic disorder or brand strategy with Scott Galloway. Neither of those is sustainable. It yeah. is It is the amount of money we are charging young people uh, is uh, it, 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 it's just staggering when you really think about the true numbers and the impact and despair and a, a financial oppression it is levying on many American middle class households. Many people I know have still have college loans and they're quite old. Um, may I just say though, you're priceless. In any case, three thousand United Airlines employees have COVID. Did you see that? According to the CEO, I like the CEO. It was really interesting. One third of the airline staff in Newark called in out sick from the single day. In better news, Kirby says the employee deaths from COVID have dropped to zero since implementing his vaccine mandate. So they're not dying, but they're getting sick. Previously, the airline averaged one employee death per week from the virus. Kirby. Uh, credited United's vaccine mandate for the change. He wrote, quote unquote, there are approximately eight to 10 United employees who are alive today because of our vaccine requirement, unquote. Boom, he says. So, you know, all the airlines are canceling flights, not just airlines. We're just using them as a as a proxy here. Um, schools are like, the, schools are happening like the, everything, every everywhere there's people uh, out. Um, and, you know, pretty much in the school line, all the parents are discussing all the strategies of everyone being out and when to go in and this and that. And so, including with work and things like that. Um, so everyone's canceled flights. I'll just use flights as an example. So this is a really, this is going to go on, although today there was also a story at several places about the, the virus peaking everywhere. It's, it's going to follow along Britain and South Africa's thing. So it could be uh, over relatively soon, relatively soon, the illnesses, and people yeah, will work through them. Your words to God's ears. Uh, so yeah. just as every day we get better at renting our human capital mm -hmm. um, via remote technologies, and which chips away at the office industrial complex's ability to bounce back, the other industry that is just going to get ravaged is um, business travel. Yeah. And I track everything I do. But it's not coming back because yeah. we're getting so much better. Uh, in 2014, I, I looked it up, I spent 238 days on the road for business. Whoa. Uh, and, 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 and again, I'm being existential or spiritual here. I, I think the lesson here or the opportunity when you think about uh, the pandemic is I've been thinking a lot about professional unlocks. And there's also a personal unlock or there's an opportunity in that is if you're blessed with resources – coming out of this pandemic and good health, look at mm -hmm. technology and decide yeah. what is the unlock for me. And the unlock, right. uh, and uh, as always, I'll turn this back to me. I've decided I am never going to spend more than 50 days away from my family unless it's with them and for fun or I'm doing something that's, mm -hmm. you know, that's that's fun. Yeah. There's just no reason to travel as much yeah. uh, for business. I agree. I've there been just cutting isn't. back. I used to travel all the time. I don't travel. I'm, yeah, I'm traveling a little more going forward. Um, I have a bunch of stuff over the spring uh, coming up. But you're right. Uh, you and I, for example, are going to Europe. Um, but uh, did you know that? You and I are taking We're a romantic to trip to Germany. Yes, we are. 
Oh, we're going to Hamburg. We're going to Hamburg. We're going to. That's right. Because Daddy brings the cabbage in for the high ticket (laughs) speaking gigs. Um, Anyway, but I I agree with you. Can you believe Germans want us on stage? (laughs) I know. They love your chemistry. Yes. (laughs) We we think you're funny, Karen. Anyway, so so here's the deal I think that it's these airline cancellations are interesting. I think business travel definitely. People are wanting to travel, though, I have to say. Everyone I know does want to get on a plane. And uh, I have pretty much everyone of my friends who's gotten on a plane has had a plane issue. Um, and so I, th- it'll be ki- I think planes will be back for certain things. But you're correct about business travel. But I think uh, most people really are dying to get the hell away from their houses um, in some fashion. Just, uh, and not we're not dying to get away from we're not dying to get away from our houses. We're dying to get away from the individuals who occupy our houses. <laughs> Whatever. Um. I think people want to go places. People are – we're planning a lot for the summer, hopefully. Um, and, you know, I think people are just like, okay, enough of dinner at home kind of thing. So um, I don't know. We'll see We'll see where it goes. But the, I, most people – I just did a really interesting interview with Emily Oster, who's an economist at Brown, very well-known, and sometimes controversial because she really was pushing for keeping schools open back in the day. Um she said, you know, at, this was three weeks ago. She said the next six weeks are going to be really tough in terms of work. People are going to sick out. And she's been correct, you know, and it's going to have an economic impact. Um, so we'll, well see. But, I, but hopefully think about, we'll be over soon. Think about what COVID has done. There was a great article in the New York Times called Davos Man. Um, yes. Yeah. We're it was actually making on. fun of. We're going to have him Which on. was making fun of Mark Benioff, with that, which I think is unfair. I think Mark's okay. actually well, you can made ask huge efforts to redistribute his income. But anyways. Um, if you look at who's benefited most, you know, trillionaires have increased their wealth. I'm sorry, billionaires have increased their wealth yep. 70%. And yep. the people who are getting sick, the people who are resigning are the people on the front line who don't have the opportunities to stay yep. at home and don't have assets. I mean, it's yep. really been a double a double whammy. Speaking of which, you know what? I thought of you. Did you oh, see really? Jamie Dimon's announcement yesterday? No. What did he say? He said, uh, if you want to be back in the office, he said, you have to be back in the office. Yeah. And he said, and if you want to be back in the office, you need to be vaccinated. Yeah. And if you aren't going to be in the office, you can't work here. In other words, <laughs> he said, <laughs> if you want to be work for J.P. Morgan, you need to be vaccinated. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's what I think. Quite frankly, I think that's what leadership looks like. Well, this I think Kirby he guy has done was firm. Not a pushback. That? The, the CEO of United. You remember, he got a lot of pushback from yeah. United staff. He was like, I don't care. I don't care. But what you said, you said something you said really, and and, uh, I'd like you to expand on it because it uh, it struck me. You said when we were talking about fintech and Mm Web3 and this notion of decentralization and all these VCs talking about the great decentralized future, which will give them opportunity for greater centralization of wealth. Yeah. You said, guys, I'd rather have Jamie, Jamie Dimon running it. Yeah. Yeah, I would. So I just more? think I, because I think it's, it's it reminds me of a lot of these. I was talking to someone about my book that I'm working on, and one of the things that was exhausting for most of the people I cover is they always have to do this change the world thing. Like we're changing the world. I was like, you know what, Jimmy Diamond doesn't do that. He's just a banker making money. Like, stop it. You're all making money. And I think that was one of the issues is that they kind of ha- they sort of I don't want to use the term virtue signaling, but they kind of that's what it kind of is. Like, and so like they always have an agenda that's not what they're saying and. I don't really feel like I that Jamie Dimon is tricking me. Like, does that make sense? Like, at least he, like, at least I'm here to make money. This is what I'm doing. I'm going to run, like, I'm going to run at Adam Newman because that's what I want to do. I want that that deal. And so I just find, um, 
I just think the, the the agendas that are behind the agendas exhaust me with these people, and they they and they're using emotional terms with people who are more desperate to make them feel like they belong. It's very Trumpy. I find tech people very Trumpy in some ways. You know, popular people. We're here for the people, and they're the richest people on yeah. earth. I just, I don't buy it. That's what I'm the, saying. The as you're speaking, the contrast I would offer is I spoke at uh, Jamie. Jamie has a gathering of alternative investment professionals, and he has a gathering of the, like 100 C- CFOs yeah. of the biggest companies. And I spoke at it, and someone asked him about tax policy, and he just said, and he seemed very earnest. He's like, "People in this room have killed it. Taxes mm-hmm. probably need to go up. It's mm-hmm. it's time. It's mm-hmm. just gotten out of control." And you got the sense yeah. he really meant it. And yeah. then, and then on in contrast, when you go to the valley, it's like. We're better capital allocators. We're an interplanetary yeah. species. They start talking as if, yeah. as if they're the ones that are going to save the world, and y- you have a moral obligation to tax them less because they are better capital allocators than the government. Yeah, they like to do that. And it's an entirely sometimes different they are, sort of vibe. You know, I, I know. It's like it's a religion with them. Uh, listen, I've had a lot of beefs with Jamie Dimon, but I feel like I know where he's coming from. That's all. I feel like, that's all. I just need to know where people are coming from. And you kind of know what you're getting. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, (laughs) Anyways, uh, I thought you Let's get on to our big stories. The FTC's monopoly case against Meta is back on. The case was previously thrown out last June when the judge said that the FTC hadn't shown Meta was a monopoly. Now that's changed and are refiling the case. And this is under Lena Khan, who who is not, who didn't file the original case, I believe. The FTC used Comscore data and time on site to show Meta is drowning out its competitors. That was enough to convince the judge to let the case proceed. He just basically said, do better work, do your work and return it to me. Um, If the FTC wins and breaks up Meta, would it solve the issues that came out last year? But it's it's on, essentially. That's what what we're saying is on. Um, and is the problem at, at Facebook's size, Facebook's business model, and what can be done? There's speaking of like, don't mess with us because markets will. It will be their argument, you know, like TikTok or whatever. That's what they'll say. So, but it's on. Yeah, they they had to do this. They've been working nights because when it got kind of. Preet made an interesting comment when I was on his podcast mm-hmm. saying that if you bring a case and it's dismissed, mm-hmm. it's basically a very strong signal that that this won't hold water. And so right. they had to come back and yeah. and get approval to move forward with this. And yep. this is absolutely needed. If you were, I believe the largest tax cut in the history of corporate, the corporate world would be if you figured out a way to lower the rents being charged by Facebook and Google. Because right. if if a product or a service cannot be leveraged to differentiate your product, as Nike did with TV or William Sonoma did with catalogs, but mm-hmm. everybody has to use it, yeah. it's no longer an offering; it's a tax. Yes. So if we this were is able what to John lower, John Greenblatt the- noted this: like they can't, they can't abandon it. Like they can do, they can do it for a little bit for pressure, but they can't, can't ask people to give up their economic advantage, essentially. Well, and, and people, people say, well, there's choice. I mm-hmm. say this. With firsthand knowledge, uh, my firm, Section Four, the online ed company. Yeah. Well, I can't. So I, I have some credibility, I think, when I say mm-hmm. I don't like Facebook. Yeah. I don't want them to be successful. I don't think the executives there uh, acquit themselves well. We will spend at Section Four three to five million dollars this year on Facebook. Yeah. And you know why? We have no fucking choice. Yeah. And the what, notion. Is there any choice? Any choice whatsoever. 
Well, it's you have it's Facebook. The answer is, do you do Facebook or Google? And the answer is yes. You have yeah. to do both. Right. They have sequestered the entire online world. Mm-hmm. Two thirds of all, mm-hmm. sixty or seventy cents on the digital dollar goes to them. It's probably eighty to ninety if you throw Amazon in there. Amazon has increased its rents or the percentage of the take from thirty party third party retailers from nineteen to thirty four cents. The entire gestalt of the valley around criteria for investing is, would this be a good company that we get 3X on? No, we don't invest in that. Is this a company that could potentially establish monopoly yeah. power and monopoly rents? Yeah. That's everything they're it's funding. 80% Facebook and Google, according to the UK's Competition Markets <laughs> Authority. Just digital Okay, ad. so if you want to acquire customers online, which everybody to. does, because the market, you just have no choice. You don't have a business. So I get, I get justifiably, I get pushed back and shit saying, Scott, you're such a, uh, you're yeah. such, you're such a critic of Facebook, yet you're, you're, you're funding them. And I'm like, well, I don't like coal-fired plants, but I turn on my lights. Yeah, right. What choice do we have? Right. So if you were to go in and break these guys up, mm-hmm. you know, Facebook, Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, three separate companies. Yeah. And you were to break up YouTube, Google, um, break up their advertising monopoly, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden people had kind of eight choices, not yeah. not two, mm-hmm. the rents would come way down. And they think might, about yeah. what Google has achieved. There is no market in the world that has a 93% market share leader in a $150 billion category with the types of margins they have, which means right. they are extracting rents that are too high. So. I'm. I am all in on this. We yeah. desperately need the largest tax break in the history of corporate America. Would be us breaking up big tech and lowering the rents on everyone else in the ecosystem the that really rents. has no choice. I like the way. That's a good way to do it. Now, now, listen. They're going to argue that they don't have a monopoly on social media. Um, other social networks exist: Twitter, TikTok, Snapchat, Reddit. Reddit's obviously going do an IPO. Um, mm-hmm. FTC is countering by saying the other social networks don't focus on connecting friends and family. Uh, I would agree with that. Um, I would agree with that. There's no others. There's, the others are sort of uh, communications or entertainment. Communications or entertainment are the rest of them. I mean, Reddit's yeah, but not, the, I don't go there the with data, my family. I go there to read it. Yeah. The data doesn't support that. Yeah. 93% of search is one company. Two-thirds of social is one company. Right. And it's just not – and it, it the market share point is – it's a data point – but I think we need to go to the more Brandeisian uh, view of antitrust. And that Brandeisian. Is, is it I like creating... when you throw in Brandeisian. But go ahead. I know. That's, that's my safe word. <laughs> Stop Brandeisian. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's my safe word. How Actually, can you that's get it out true. with the ball gag? That's a tough one. Actually, ball gag. Brandeisian. Actually, you know what my Brandeisian. safe word is. What? You know what my safe word is. No, what is it? Oh, good God. I can't believe I just asked that. Go ahead. M- maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Courtesy of George John. Courtesy of Jihan. <laughs> G-Man. G-Man. Oh, be, yeah. How about that? By the way, we were brainstorming for segments right. on my new CNN Plus show, and one of them's going to be George Ooh. Walks the Dog, and he's just going to take me for walks, and I'm going to ask him a question. Really? Anyways, okay. isn't that funny? You make a star like of George. I hope you do. Yeah, I think he's already a star. I think he's going to make me. I think, he's, I think it's going to be the way but around. He needs, people need to get, get some George. People need a little more jihan. Jihan, a little yeah. more jihan. All right, back to this. So, um, so this. What do you think of this? I mean, I think that she, uh, that she has come to play. Like Lena Khan has come to play. I do. Oh I no, shit. She re- she does her homework. She's like one of those people who does her homework, right? Like, mm, no, 
that kind of thing. She's super yeah. she's super inspiring, you know. She's I think early 30s academic mm-hmm. who wrote a paper while she was in graduate school and now she's advising the president. I don't think people yeah. realize right. just cuz I follow this stuff pretty closely, when you listen to President Biden right now, it right. is literally he is clearly that morning in the room with Tim right. Wu and likely Lena Khan and likely Cantor and yeah. taking very copious notes. Yeah. I mean, they are having it's just I think I find it inspiring. Yeah. That people like Tim Wu and Lena Khan who devote their life to really trying to understand the yeah. domain of a certain yeah. narrow area can end up whispering in the president's ear and having this kind of impact. Right. They can be lifted out of a university at such a young age. And have this kind of impact. It's. I think it speaks well to. I mean, in addition to antitrust, it just speaks well to. It speaks well to America. And you know, they're both children of immigrants. Um, anyways, I, I'm. I'm super excited. I think the capitalist argument for breakup has to take center stage. Not this bullshit that they're bad people or right. we're angry at them or we. Right. Bernie and Senator Warden start Senator Warden Warren start talking uh, attacking them for being billionaires. It's like, mm-hmm. well, Jesus Christ, that's your fault. Pass progressive taxes. Right. right. Anyways, uh, I'm I'm super excited about antitrust. I hope it gets it continues mm-hmm. to get momentum. You're going to see more of it. Yeah. I think so too. Um, all right, so uh, so we'll see what happens here. This is going to be an interesting thing, and also um, it'll be interesting the, the discovery and how how much the government's willing. I do think there is a commitment on the part of the government to do something about this. All right, Scott, let's go on a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about the deal with Zynga and take a listener mail question. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc., Support for this show comes from Slack. You're a growing business and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Okay, Scott, we're back with our second big story. Games publisher Take-Two Interactive is buying Zynga, the company behind games like Farmville and Words with Friends, for $12.7 billion. It's the biggest deal in the history of video games, but investors uh, didn't want to play. Take-Two stocks dipped on the news. The deal is expected to close by the end of June. This is a long, long story. I've known Mark Pankus, the founder of Zynga, for a long time. Um, he was almost there with uh, a, a social network. He was really early to social networks and didn't wasn't able to put off the ground long before he was in Washington D.C. And he had a, another company that was sort of early, um, very early to a lot of big trends that other people took advantage of later. But this is sort of an interesting 
Zynga's been way down, but under the new CEO, it's gone up a little bit. It's gone, but it definitely was sort of the hot ticket item and then isn't. So what do you think of this purchase? Take two's hits on the console and desktop, Grand Theft Auto, NBA, 2K games. Zynga's are mobile, obviously. So what, what, do you th- what do you think about this? We don't pay a lot of attention to games. I'd like to get your take. I've been doing all the talking here. I'm dominating them. Uh- Okay. Well, I just think it's, uh, you know, these, the, the Zynga has been sort of bumping along, bumping along, bumping along. They were certainly early to the game, but they they just, they bumped along. They just had a lot of ups and downs and ups and downs. At one point, they owned like three buildings in San Francisco, a lot of parties, this and that, and then sort of uh, had a, it's been a very hard ride. I think it's probably a good outcome for their investors because uh, it's up significantly from their where their price has been, although the price has been up significantly from where it was before. Um, so I think it's, I think it's, it's okay. It's good. It's, you know, <laughs> I think these people miss the boat, essentially. I think these, I think they miss the boat on this stuff. So, so. Yeah, it's, um, you're right. It, it, it's probably the most underappreciated industry relative to its size. Yeah. yeah. You've got, I think it's about 130 billion just by contrast. I think domestic U.S. box office, and we're always talking about films and what was the latest yeah. film, and what's happening in movie theaters. That's like 7 billion. I mean, this industry is enormous. In addition, it's growing. Uh, high single digits. It's growing eight percent a year. Yeah, and exactly. there's just very few industries over a hundred billion dollars, other than see above search and social, that are growing at high single digits. It's an incredible industry, high margin. Its biggest growth driver, and this speaks to the rationale behind this acquisition, its biggest growth driver is Asia, where it's growing double digits, and seventy percent of the players in Asia are playing via mobile. With and the revenue model there is freemium microtransactions and advertising. But essentially the rationale for this acquisition and Strauss Elnick, who strikes me as a very savvy operator, nice guy, also super into fitness, um, is uh, anyways has said, look, we have this incredible IP, you know, Grand Mm -hmm. Theft Auto, they have some amazing games, but we don't have the skills in the DNA for kind of this freemium mobile model. And Zynga does. So, and we said this last week that you are going to see the game uh, the game space heat up, and mm-hmm. this is—I mean, I don't know about you, my kids, my boys, or something about the male, young male brain—they just love video games. And I'm trying yeah. to trying to do a better job of scolding my kids or manicure what they're supposed to be interested in or not interested in based on my preconceived notions. And I've decided to lean into it. My son, uh, my, I did a coin-based account with my son because he seemed interested, and I thought, well, I want him to learn about the markets. Maybe this is how he does. He's learned to earn things. And the other mm-hmm. thing I'm trying to do is especially my youngest is really into video games. I'm trying to figure out a way for him to take these courses or online classes uh, where we can learn how to try and program a video game because he seems interested. But that industry, oh my gosh, there are yeah. two industries that are growing right now and media and everything else is kind of declining yeah. other than you know shitty little yeah, podcasts the- at, and it's, it's, it's video games and streaming. Yeah, it's true. I think, you know, the Zynga CEO, Frank Gibna, who who took over for Mark Ping, is, maybe there was another CEO in there somewhere, but um, he'll be leading these mobile efforts and they can then take the franchises of, of Take-Two uh, into a bigger space, you know, I mean, into, into the mobile space. I think that's one of the things is some of these franchises uh, that they can make into mobile games. Um, and so, you know, at first investors were down, now the stock is up. 
Um, This is interesting. Um, They just said it out loud as we see tremendous untapped potential to bring Take-Two's renowned council and PC properties to mobile, a high-priority initiative energized by the addition of Zynga's leading development publishing and live operations team. Um, And that's true. This is where um, they were there. Zynga's been there a long time. Um, Often Zynga was sort of a canary in the coal mine of a lot of things and then didn't take the most advantage of it. Um, But at the same time, it's good for them. I think people are now... Um, feeling good, better about this deal. I think they are. You know, I think they're feeling better. It makes sense. Um, and you're seeing a lot of other game developers doing the same thing. So, um, you know, I think if you remember when Farmville was so popular for a short, for you know, it was one of those hot things. They they rode to to fame and fortune on Facebook on the back of Facebook. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, when Facebook was doing was sort of the the was the accelerant for a lot of these different things. A lot of them, most of them, fell by the wayside in that sort of trade. Um, but um, but it's also uh, it's good for them. There's also the the issues around uh, Apple's privacy changes. Um, so they, they, Take Two needs more heft in fighting that. Um, and so this privacy feature, as people know, know has happened, has affected a lot of companies in iOS uh, called App Tracking Transparency (ATT). Um, and so as they're bigger, um, th- it's important to get bigger to to allow them to get over the privacy roadblocks that this has put in their way. Um, well, it's so. in, the, the unintended consequence of the Apple privacy moves mm-hmm. is Facebook's earnings have not been hit because their ability to target has gone down. It's just yeah. they've passed through those price increases to end, the end consumer. Yeah. And that is yeah. now to acquire consumers on Facebook. Your cost of yeah. customer acquisition has gone up, but it's not like Facebook has said, okay, we're, we're – um, we're, we're cutting prices. And yeah. also, you brought up a really important notion. There's sort of, there's the haves and the have-nots now. And the haves are the ones that have enough interaction with their client base or with their customer base that they have a, enough first-party data to build that digital corpus such that they can come up with a recommendation engine or they can come up with better targeting for advertising. And so everybody is talking about first-party data that Company I'm in, or a company I'm involved with, Open Web, they pitch one of the things about a more robust comments section is mm-hmm. you just get more interaction and more first party data. Because if the New York Times can't build an ecosystem that's strong enough to inspire a lot of interaction, that they can then capture that data so they can serve you better articles or target you better, they're going to be totally dependent upon the ecosystems that do have first party data. And that's specifically Google and Facebook. So everybody's mm-hmm. trying to figure out if I can't capture data from third party from other sites, I've got to, yeah. I've got to get to a critical mass or heft of my own first party data. Yeah. Uh, yeah but it's important. this company, I'm yeah. sorry, go ahead, Kara. Go ahead, go ahead. Sorry. Well, the other thing is just around gaming. I mean, I'm looking at the market cap here. Take two, some iconic brands. I mean, the things, the thing's $17 billion or $18 billion in market cap right now. You don't think, and I, I trust the DOJ and the FTC will get in the way of this, but when Facebook realizes this Oculus thing isn't working out, but mm-hmm. they're big, they really want to kind of jumpstart the metaverse, mm-hmm. where do you think they'll go? Yeah. What do you Game. think they could acquire? They'll start. And by the way, it, these are iconic titles, yeah. and it would be a 2% dilution. 
I think the, it would be yeah, nothing. Absolutely. I think you're right. I think one of the things that's interesting is the the ride of Mark Pincus. I mean, he, again, he was super early to a lot of the stuff and it was the hottest company. He still is an owner. Uh, he's been CEO twice. If I, I think it's twice. Um, he, you know, it was, it was the company. I can't even tell you. And then it was the IPO. They had a problem and then they had all these pricey acquisitions and stuff like that. And so he, but he owns about 5% of the company at this point. Um, so he'll make some money here. Not, not as much as you think, but it's, it's interesting that he's going to make a ton of money. I think he's going to make about $400 million, something like that. But like he was going to be the, I don't know how much money he has at all, but he was going to be, he was sort of at the lead of it. And so that he's getting sold, it's kind of, I was going to write him saying, oh, this is how it ends, I guess. Okay. Um, but, uh, but it was uh, Farmville and, and what he had done on Facebook was really a big deal. Uh, way back when, and he had all kinds of there was all, but there was all kinds of drama around that company almost always, um, in terms of how they hired and different people that went in and out of there. And um, anyway, they but they had some great ideas about their virality and this and that. So there's some um, uh, there's some there's some sadness here in terms of that it was going to be the it was going to be the Facebook or whatever, and then it's uh, this. But it's he's going to have to settle exit. for four hundred million. He's going to have to settle for four hundred million. <laughs> well, okay. It was oh Don Matrick okay. was in there, Microsoft's Xbox, and then then he left, and then Mark was the CEO, and they brought in this guy who wasn't as well known, who was like from Electronic Arts, Frank Gibno. Uh, Gibbo, Gibbo, excuse me, Gibbo. Anyway, so it, it's just interesting. It's an it's an interesting story, and you know, good. This is what's going to happen. You're right. There's a lot of others. A lot of people think that Pinterest should be in there. There's a whole bunch of companies um, that are at lows, and so that you're going to see a lot more purchasing going on um, in the next six months because a lot of them are at lows. Tons and tons of companies um, are Pinterest you know, and Twitter. Yeah. There's going to be Pinterest interest in Twitter. everything. Pinterest yeah. is the one I'm looking at. I'm looking at that one. Really? Yes. I think it's mm. a bargain. It's a bargain. It's a bargain. Anyway, uh, and they've had ups and downs, but it's down a lot. So we'll see. All right. Let's pivot to a listener question. You've got, you've got. I can't believe I'm going to be a mailman. You, you, you've got mail. Hi, this is Hashem from the Mojave Desert. I'm a Silicon Valley escapee. My question is what you think the principles of good retail should be as we get through COVID. The pandemic accelerated e-commerce and shook out a lot of bad retail, but coming out of it, there seems to be a desire for physical connection and maybe a new approach to physical retail that isn't all about going to e-commerce. If you were starting a consumer brand, what would you prioritize in a physical experience today? Thanks a lot. That's a great question from Hashem, but why did you go to the Mojave Desert if you're escaping Silicon? I'm thinking Hawaii, Fiji, or Scott's home in Florida, where I can send you the map exactly where it is, if you'd like. <laughs> um, you answer this one, Scott. You're the retail. You, 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 uh, well, first off, the desert mean? is the most beautiful ecosystem in the I world, know, Kara. Um, um, best sunsets. Uh, anyways, okay. look, uh, you said this. Retail is sort of bifurcating... From a consumer end, retail is bifurcating into either mass efficiency, I can get you everything at a good price within 48 hours to your doorstep, or experience. And whether it's the Museum of Ice Cream, or the way you feel in Lululemon, where there's someone doing yoga in the, in the room, mm -hmm. or when you go into a restoration hardware yeah. and you think, wow, I'd like to hang out here for the entire weekend, mm -hmm. or you go into an Apple store and you feel inspired, or a nice young man comes up to you 
And uh, as a uh, 57-year-old man, makes you feel comfortable with him actually putting tea tree oil on your your bags. And you, you somehow feel like your eye bags think, wow, this guy really knows knows makeup and and has incredibly high EQ. And their cast is amazing. That was probably a weird example. But the, I think it's one or the other. And um, like music festivals are a form of retail. They're going to boom. So merchandising always matters, the mm-hmm. voice. But it's bifurcating into experience or efficiency. And the new core competence, uh, as led by Amazon, in terms of bifurcating or determining the winners and losers is having enough capital to rethink and reconfigure post-COVID your supply chain, whether it's a quick service restaurant that gets over 50% of its orders online as mm-hmm. the biggest, the kind of biggest QSRs do, or a company like Urban Outfitters is now basically an e-commerce company with 550 warehouses called stores. Mm-hmm. Your ability to create uh, online, you know, buy online, pick up in store, pick up at the curb, um, yeah. seamless returns across channels. Experiential um, is critical. I was just, I almost took a picture day and I didn't, I, maybe I'll send a man out and take a picture of all my boxes. Like, I'm like such mm-hmm. an ad for what's happened. Um, I, I, I squished them, I had them all in the basement and I, because I'm anal retentive, I organized them lovely out at the curb for the um, recycling people. But um, it's just, if I try really hard to shop local, but it's so frustrating. It is, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, nothing's there. It's not just because the, supply chain, but you never find what you want. And then Amazon, you find what you want in two seconds or wherever, anywhere online, not just Amazon. And so, or Etsy, I've been shopping at Etsy quite a bit lately um, Mm -hmm. and some other places. Uh, I was at Macy's the other day. I bought something from Macy's online. Obviously they have stores, Walmart, um, uh, all kinds of stuff. And so I think the online experience has to be experiential in in a creative, pleasing, or you can't get it anywhere else kind of thing. I just don't, I, I, I think people have the tolerance. They may want to get back into stores. The same thing with movie theaters. They've got to have good popcorn or good seats or good something, something that makes it like where I can, if I can do it at home similarly, why would I go there? Like, why would I go there? And I don't, you know, it's, I know people talk about the social experience, say movies or things like that. I don't talk to anyone at the movies. I don't, you know. Unless it's a totally packed theater, which you don't find anymore. And it's some like, you know, I don't know, Marvel movie or something. So um, in any case, I think experiential is the only way to go here. Like something, Mm -hmm. something special. Correct? Well, I like to make things and then put them on Etsy. So I'm I'm trying to sell my kids on Etsy. No, I That's like some good platform humor. I like humor. furniture stores. I don't like shopping for. I like to go look. Although I just bought two chairs without going to a store, and they're very fine. They were. They had a very good experience online. I bought two stores from West. Oh uh, my! Literally, one of my favorite things in the world on weekends is to go to this furniture the best stores. furniture store in the world, this BDDW store in Soho, mm-hmm. where like a lamp a costs forty five thousand dollars, and just yeah. walk around and look and at look it, and have them ask me about five times if I can help you, which is their way of saying. Get out of here. <laughs> um. I, love, I love a furniture store. But my, I, I uh, literally just started buying so furniture online. So I don't know. I don't know, Hush, Jim. I, I, it's got to be fun. It's got to be fun or interesting or or um, something. Something, something, yeah, right? What's, what's old is what's new again. What's your favorite store? Merchant? What's your favorite store? This, this furniture Gosh, store? Gosh, that's a really good one. My favorite store? Uh, oh, hands down, BDW. I think um, they do an amazing job. And I think Restoration Hardware is an absolute inspiration. 
I, I think they're I grand think they're plazas or grand whatever they're called. Even yeah. if you don't like that furniture, what they've done there, I mean, you little things. You know the restaurant, the restaurant. on top? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a nice restaurant. Place. But you know what? You know what Gary Freeman did with the restaurant? Mm-hmm. He said, wine, but no alcohol. I don't want a bunch of guys getting drunk up here and making women oh, yeah, feel uncomfortable. Oh, yeah, a lot of ladies up there. A lot of ladies. And, and they feel like they're in Mendocino or in the wine country. Yeah, it's pretty. And it just, the vibe is wonderful. And it, to do that and forego the margins of alcohol, every business person would go, no, that's a bad idea. And he's yeah. like, no, it, we want this to be a yeah, feel that you're in. Thing. And they buy like Sonoma. a sham on the way down, a four thousand dollars sham. Um, I, uh, I, my favorite store ever. Was What's your favorite? Hmm, now, my hardware mm-hmm. store. I love a hardware store. You can't, you can't have an Amazon. Amazon doesn't give you a hardware store experience. Okay, I love wandering. I'm, hardware. I'm just gonna hold my tongue. I'm <laughs> okay. just gonna hold my tongue. <laughs> Ask Amanda. I love a hardware store. I love. I know. Oh, I'm so happy in a hardware. You're store. literally you're baiting me. <laughs> you're baiting me right now. This is a <laughs> this is literally a ploy to get me canceled. <laughs> well, I see what's going on here. I no, see what's going what I, on here. Here is what I like. I like there was a store when I was growing up called Fiorucci. I would take a bus from Princeton, New Jersey to New York to go to Fiorucci. It was delightful. I, I didn't know what I was gonna find there. And it was like all these trendy it was, it was like the, Z Gallery when I was young. I'm like, just, oh, they have the coolest furniture. Cool. You remember Spencer's gifts? They had the dirty toys. They had the dirty presents and stuff like that. That's like, really old. There's so much underwear. great retail. I love Super Target. Yeah. I love roaming around Best I Buy. Apple. I guess the Apple store, I suppose. Oh, Apple I like, sp- amazing stores. Amazing if store. Apple opened a coffee store, I, I would like, just- I like, I, I go to my That Apple would be my new store. office. I don't order it online. I go there. I go there. there there's there's a store I go to. For, it's, and it's just it's as easy fantastic. to order online. Fantastic store. I enjoy it. I'm very happy there. Yeah, that would be a good example. Anyway, Hashim, thank you for the good question. I love airport retail. I love Bottega oh, I Banana. Like I love Keel stores. I, I like I mean, I like luggage a... stores at retail. Anyway, we're so strange. Anyway. The Ramoa store. I, I love oh, Ramoa. Yeah, There's so store. many amazing, yeah. great brands yeah, right yeah, now. I, I love the like new On store. On running store in Soho oh, does a yeah. fantastic job. Yeah. There's a Cologne, that new artisanal coffee place. There's just oh. so much great retail have, out uh, there. And it has to be great. I think called Compass Coffee. It's wonderful. Anyway, that's a good Dig. question. Send Ugh, us more. Send us more. If you got a question you're curious about, go to nymag.com slash pivot and submit it for the show. All right, Scott, one more quick break. We'll be back for predictions. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Support for this show comes from the Harvard Business Review. You know, there's this idea in business that some people are born to be leaders. You either have it or you don't. But leadership, like any skill, can and should be learned over time. Whether you've climbed to the top of the corporate ladder or are just starting out, you'll find valuable insights at Harvard Business Review. Harvard Business Review is a leading destination for smart management thinking. And on their website, hbr.org, subscriptions are just $10 a month, which gives you unlimited access to the same level of expertise. Things like case studies, newsletters, podcasts, articles written by some of the world's top minds. I use HBR in my research when I do articles or when I'm thinking about what to talk about on Pivot. I find them really interesting. I find them complete. I find them different. And you can find all kinds of industries covered 
While much of Harvard Business Review's content is available for free after signing up at their site, subscriptions to unlimited content start at only $10 a month. What a bargain. Go to hbr.org slash subscriptions and enter the promo code PIVOT right now to get 10% off your subscription. Again, save 10% off your HBR subscription. Go to hbr.org slash subscriptions and enter the promo code PIVOT. Okay, Scott, give us this week's prediction. It's so nice as us remembering good stores. Stores can be wonderful. Anyway, what is mm-hmm. your prediction? I need a prediction from you. By the way, I took my boys to Barnes & Noble last weekend. Um, speaking of stores, it's interesting. They're like, let's go to Barnes & Noble. We what? went to Barnes & Noble Why? and Chick-fil-A. And unfortunately, okay. I made the mistake of going on Sunday. Um, All right. Jesus getting in the way of my bonding with my kids. <laughs> uh, anyways, everyone just totally mocked me on Twitter. I'm like, we're off to Chick-fil-A. And like, Shithead, it's Sunday. Anyways, my prediction. We're going to see there's a lot of really healthy discussion around the concentration of power and the onerous rents it charges on people, whether it's big ag, big pharma, and obviously the one we love, our go-to is big tech. In 2022, we're finally going to see an overdue discussion around big ed. And when I say big ed, Mm -hmm. I mean the cartel that is higher education and their ability to embrace you know, preying on middle-class homes, this dream that you of you know, or this general feeling that you failed unless you send your kids to college, this rejectionist culture that arbitrages kids down to a Hyundai for the price of a Mercedes, which places huge strain emotionally and financially on middle-class households. We need more competition. We need to reject the nonprofit status or revoke the nonprofit status of any school with an endowment over a billion dollars. It's not growing its freshman seats faster than population. They've nice. decided they're no longer public servants, that they are, in fact, uh, luxury brands. We need to dramatically open the spigot in terms of competition. We need to put schools on the hook for some of that bad debt. So their job isn't to get you debt sponsored by taxpayers that they then cash the check and they have no real incentive to ensure you're able to pay it back because they got their money. They're not on the hook for it. So it it is overdue. We're going to see the conversation around antitrust, around monopoly and big and big whatever, put fill in the blank, is going to move to this this talk around big ed. We know the problems, and it stems from the same ugly place, and that is artificial scarcity mm-hmm. and monopoly power. So over the 2022, you're going to hear the term big ed more. Big ed. All right. I'm going to put in a little uh, prediction here. Pinterest. Yeah, go for going, it. it uh, you're going to see some action around Pinterest. I'm just guessing. Pinterest. And who do you think it'll, who do you think it'll be? I don't know. That one I haven't figured out yet. We'll talk about that next week. It's probably going to be PayPal again. You know PayPal's PayPal. interested. Someone. I, I, I you're 100% like that right. N- that number is so far down. Like, I kind of want to buy it. You're in? You're ready? I'm in. I'm not buying anything. Are you kidding? Let's do it. You know what? We could do a Dow. <laughs> the Jungle Cat and the Dog Dow. Okay. We're buying Pinterest. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I just have a, I have my little spidey sense is tangling, is tangling. No, I think, it, I think tangling. you know something. Anyway, you know Scott, something. as usual, what a great show. Um, we are very excited to be going. To, we're gonna, I'm excited to go to Florida soon. We're really, we really do have a really good program. It's coming up um, and it's going to be great. So, so buy your tickets and stuff like that. I think we have a lot of people on, on the list, but please, if you'd like to go, let us know. Um, okay, Scott, that's the show. 
we're observing MLK Day, so we'll be back on Wednesday, but we're not going to not have a show for you because that's the kind of people we are. So we are going to tape on Tuesday and uh, come on Wednesday. Scott, will you read us out? Today's show was produced by Lara Naiman, Evan Engel, and Taylor Griffin. Thanks also to Drew Burrows and Mia Silverio. Ernie Entertot engineered this episode. Make sure you subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, or if you're an Android user, check us out on Spotify or, frankly, wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening to Pivot from Box Media. We'll be back next Wednesday for another breakdown of all things tech and business. The greatest assault on middle-class prosperity, the self-aggrandizement, arrogance, and poor commitment to the commonwealth of higher education that is drunk on exclusivity and has raised rents faster than any sector in the world. It is time to break up big ed.